Hi, I'm Bryant Wright with Sin Relief. Itamar, Michael, and Brianna have nothing in common, or at least that's what people might think. Itamar is from Puerto Rico and organizes mission projects for construction volunteers. Michael started an African-American church in inner city St. Louis. And Brianna is a 20-something, make-things-happen kind of person for all kinds of Christian ministries in Denver. Yes, they all work for churches, but what they do, where they do it, and who they do it with are very, very different. They are really only two important commonalities that these people share. First, they all do the work of sin relief. And second, well, one other thing they have in common is a lady named Annie. Annie passed away almost a hundred years ago, and yet she is the main character in each one of their stories of hope. Imagine a map of the world, and then, if you can, picture a point on that map. Just one point, right at the top of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Now, in your mind's eye, draw a line 2,006 miles from San Juan to St. Louis, Missouri. And then, draw another line 849 miles from St. Louis to Denver. And then, finally, draw one more line 2,736 miles from Denver back to San Juan. If you did it right, you should see in your mind's eye a very misshapen triangle. The points of that triangle are three cities separated by mountains and oceans and languages and cultures. At first glance, the only things San Juan, St. Louis, and Denver would seem to have in common are the distress, disorder, and dysfunction you find in every big city. Puerto Rico has experienced crises with hurricanes and earthquakes. And, and so there are thousands of people just sick and tired of everything. Denver is the 19th largest city in the U.S. And there is one evangelical church for every 32,000 people. Put that into perspective, there is one marijuana dispensary for every 2,000 people. St. Louis, uh, crime is high, drug use is high, and you was always hearing gunshots. In these three cities live three people who have one very important thing in common. Lord just really melted my heart and caused me to fall in love with that North St. Louis city. Michael is a missionary in St. Louis. There's not a lot of willing people who want to go to a really hard city and reach people. And I'm like, I have to go. Brianna is a missionary in Denver. There's lives that can be made whole with the gospel. And this is, this is why God has called me here. And Itamar is a missionary in San Juan. What Itamar, Brianna, and Michael have in common is a relationship with a lady who's been dead for almost a hundred years. Her name is Annie Armstrong. At the turn of the last century, Annie crisscrossed America, pleading with churches to do the work of loving their neighbor. And now, millions of people give to the missions offering that's named after her. And so, on this episode of Stories of Hope, we'll travel to three very different places and tell three very different stories, each one brought to you by the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering. This is Stories of Hope, 
episode number 80, The Annie Anthology. Chapter 1. Won't You Be My Neighbor? Anyone who watches late-night local news in St. Louis, Missouri has probably heard of Baden. Ten miles north of downtown St. Louis, Baden is the kind of place where people don't startle at the sound of gunfire. Not even in the middle of the day. It's the kind of place where prostitutes sometimes hide out in plain view, right out on the main drag. And it's the kind of place where Michael and Tracy Bird once thought, this is not where we want to raise our family. My wife and I lived in this neighborhood when we first got married, moved out of the neighborhood and said, thank you, Jesus, we will never go back. And yet, five and a half years ago, Michael and Tracy did what they said they would never do. They moved back to Baden. Never say never. They say you want to make God laugh. Tell him your plans, right? The birds returned in 2016 with a plan to start a church by first caring for their neighbors' physical needs. That plan eventually worked, but meeting needs in this neighborhood gave them a whole new appreciation of what the term compassion ministry really means. Here's Michael. September 11th, 2016, we planted Faith Community Bible Church. And we shared a building when we first launched with a barbershop. Like it was one building, it was this thin wall separating us from the barbershop. I was going to pick my sons up from school one day and saw police tape around the church, which was also the barbershop and didn't know what was going on. So I started calling the barber. I didn't know what was going on. He didn't answer. And it made me nervous because I'm like, oh my God, I hope he's okay. Um, and I went over there to see what was going on and found out that one of the customers in the barbershop was shot a few times inside of the barbershop. And I'm like, wait, no, this is not right. So um, after a while, police tape removed, they let us in the barbershop. So I went to go check on the barber. He was okay. So went in there and just saw blood. And what we did was we went in there and we cleaned up that blood from the barbershop so that his business could be back to what it was supposed to be. And it was at that moment that the Lord used us um, as a church to really forge a deeper relationship with that barber because he knew at that moment, hey man, you're family. Like you don't have to go through this by yourself. We were able to help him. I mean, even after break-ins, all of his equipment was stolen. We were able to use missional money to help this barber replace his barbering equipment, right? And, and he's right now today more open to the gospel than ever before does us no good to talk about how the love of God or the power of the Spirit works through the gospel if we're not willing to make sacrifices and leverage even our time or ourselves to really live that out in front of people. And, and that's where we are now. Chapter 2. Dirty Hands Brianna McKinney has a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology. If that sounds impressive, it's because it is. But when Brianna moved to Denver to work as a missionary with Send Relief, she ran into a problem. I see these people, I have a heart for these people, what can I do? She learned about a school for refugee kids called Place Bridge Academy. Brianna wanted to so badly get to know these kids, but to get her foot in the door, she needed more than just a fancy sounding college degree. She needed paint. We've just like kept asking them like, hey, how can we serve you? 
and they're like, hey, if you want to come paint the outside of this building and make it look pretty and do all these things, please, we would love that. Brianna recruited a mission team from Memphis, Tennessee to come and help her paint the school building. And that opened a door for the great things that would come next. This is a story told through a conversation. Here's Brianna and a mission team member named Nathaniel painting and talking about all the things that happened to get them to this place in time. You know, we always say in the city, like prayer is the work. So people have just been praying for this community for six plus years. And um, the Lord has been faithful, you know, in those prayers of just opening up a door for us to come in and serve this school. So the school is compiled of 40 different countries, 60 different languages that are spoken here. And so they just don't really have the resources to make the school look welcoming and inviting to outsiders um, or to any of their students for that matter. And so the whole vision behind painting PlaceBridge is like, man, if I was being resettled um, from my home country here to America, I don't know if I'd want to come to a school that looks so clinical, yeah. you know, like sure. come to one that just on the outside doesn't look as welcoming and they just didn't have the staff or the budget to like really put in um, the work for that. So being able to, I don't know, just add some creative vision, but I don't know how we're gonna execute it or make it come to life. Um, so yeah, that is like the whole reason we're out here on a like 90 degree day. <laughs> I really didn't even plan on coming to Nipper. So in my quiet time, God really revealed to me that I needed to go. And so, you know, because I work at Sherwin-Williams, I've been there for four years now. And I told my manager and she was like, so what you're telling me is you're going to paint when you're, when you sell paint. And the Lord definitely knew that Absolutely. we needed you. <laughs> we have so many paint questions. Absolutely. And you know, God, you know, knew that I needed to be on this trip. Yeah. It's great. with all of like these mission teams coming in, with you guys even being here, like I had no idea what paint, how to paint. Like, <laughs> I don't know anything about paint. And so like, just the fact that you're here is just another huge answer to prayer that I didn't even know I needed to pray. Um, painting for this school is just, I don't know, just to see the smiles on some kids' faces and for them to feel more welcomed in a country that feels so unknown Absolutely. for them. Sometimes when you get these cracks, if you hit it at a different angle, sometimes you can cover some of the things. Oh, so, look at this. Look at this. I don't even know. Chapter three, afterlife. For most everyone who lives on the island of Puerto Rico, there is a before and an after. In 2017, there were the hurricanes. First Irma, and then three weeks later, Maria. The average Puerto Rican lost power for eight months. And then in January 2020, there were the earthquakes. Almost 10,000 homes were destroyed. And then two months later, there was a pandemic. Didn't expect disaster after disaster. I wasn't expecting earthquakes and didn't expect a pandemic 
It's never a dull day. Itamar Elizalde works with Send Relief in Puerto Rico. The story she will tell begins in March 2020. For Itamar, just like a lot of other people on the island, there is a line drawn through that month that separates before and after. Here's Itamar. Rico went into the strictest lockdown of all U.S. territories. Everything shut down. So in the early days of COVID-19, we opened up a drive-through food bank. And so um, those first few weeks, we would get hundreds of calls a day and text messages. And so one that was particularly, that drew my attention, who I later met as Rosa. Rosa sent me a text that said, I live alone, I don't have any food left, please just help me. And so I remember getting that text late at night and just thinking, what, what are we gonna do? So I asked, can I call you? And, and she said, yes, and so I spoke with her and she said, I live alone and so I just need some food. Can somebody please bring it to me? And a drive through food bank, you need a car to come here. And um, we weren't able to make deliveries because we were getting so many calls and from all over. But I asked her where she lived and realized that she lived near one of our local pastors. And so he and his wife came here, picked up her groceries um, and, went, and went to see Rosa. And they were able to pray with her. And so they invited her to church. And this was when only 10 people were allowed indoors. She agreed and, um, and listened intently to the message. And, and then after the service, the pastor's wife, she shared the gospel with her one-on-one uh, -on -one, and she accepted Christ. And um, not only accepted Christ, but she agreed to um, checking calls every other day and um, gathering to meet with her for discipleship once or twice a week. And I guess it was a stories like that, like Rosa's story and what God has been doing on the island through Send Relief does reaffirm, yes, this is where God is moving and, and speaking and ministering. And this is what we need to be doing. This is Bryant Wright. If you'd like to learn more about Itamar, Michael, and Brianna, and how your giving fuels their work, go to AnnieArmstrong.com. And for practical tips on how you and your church can meet needs and allow God to change lives, just like Itamar, Michael, and Brianna are doing, you can visit Sin Relief online at sinrelief.org. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to Stories of Hope, you'll automatically get a new episode every two weeks. Go to Apple or Spotify Podcasts and search for Stories of Hope. And finally, if you've liked what you've heard here, rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find us and enjoy these stories too. This is Bryant Wright with Sin Relief. Join me in two weeks for another episode of Stories of Hope.